Hi, my name is Giselle Fox. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns, and welcome back to another episode of the Winfo Podcast. The Winfo Podcast is run by the Women in Informatics team out of the University of Washington's iSchool. It's a mix of getting to know your fellow classmates, finding all the creative ways you can work with informatics, and just clearing up what the informatics major is. We're excited to explore, and we can't wait to bring you along for the ride. Alrighty, and welcome to the second episode of what we could call season two of the Winfo podcast. Today's episode is going to be very, very exciting. We're going to be talking about and reading two informatics application essays word for word. For context, informatics is a capacity-constrained major at the University of Washington, meaning there are only so many spots available so people have to apply to get into the major, even if they're already into UW. The reason it's set up like this is because the iSchool genuinely doesn't have enough resources to staff enough classes or have enough offices. Since we're located in Seattle, you know, the home of Amazon, Microsoft, and like a million other tech companies, people who could be working at professors at UW could be making four times more working in a big tech company here in Seattle. That kind of money is hard to turn down, and it leads to a severe lack of professors and other faculty in these techie kinds of majors, which leads to these techie kinds of majors having to be capacity constrained. That's to say, people put a lot of time into application essays, and getting into a capacity-constrained major can cause a capital S significant amount of anxiety. And so what we hope to do by having this frank talk about essays and straight up reading them for you is to demystify what actually goes into an essay and emphasize that individuality and writing from the heart is genuinely what's important. The admission council is genuinely looking for cool, interesting people, and they want to see that in your essays. And this genuineness gets muddled when all this competition is in play. If you are looking to get into the informatics major, we want to emphasize that there isn't a secret special template to follow to get in. You shouldn't try and write like what you think the stereotypical informatics person should be. You should be proud of you and be excited about how informatics fits into your life. By reading these essays along with essays in following episodes, we want to show you how different all these essays are, and hopefully make it easier for you to relax about writing your own and highlighting your own special experiences. With context out of the way, we're going to be talking to Sneha Reddy, a junior who just got in this last 2021 cycle, and Serena Akopian, a freshman direct admin this year. But before we jump into it exactly, I just want to note that we also just released another episode with Sneha and Sarita, the first episode in a series where we follow them through their time in the informatics major. If you want to learn more about what they love about informatics, where they're struggling right now, where they're thriving, uh, we've got some more content for you after this. But for now, let's start off with Sneha and see how she got to writing her essay and then listen to her read it. my essay I really struggled with writing an essay before I think this comes with me being rejected once and this was my last attempt to get into info and it was really stressful for me I had no backup options literally so I was like I had no starting point in the beginning I was trying to like talk to other people and get their stories and then like understand like how would I frame mine I think one of my biggest takeaway of this essay process was tell your story. Why do you think information system or informatics as a major will help you in the future? What are your values and why would that be aligned with informatics? I sat down one day and I was just thinking about everything that that I was really passionate about and that really interested me in informatics. I started jotting down points and then like 
I didn't even know all of these little things or like snippets of sentences there in my head. I think I love this major so much that they've just been stuck with me. And every class I had a takeaway from mentioning that was also like really helpful with my essay. So I think my whole essay is a summary of my journey through informatics and how I've been introduced and like why I still love it. Week 7 of Info 200. This was the first time I was introduced to universal design. The slide read, designing products to be used by as many people as possible, not just the average user. With a sense of despondency, I wondered how even after living in such a progressive world, we still couldn't offer everyone equal opportunities of technological receptiveness. From this moment onwards, I found my life's goal is to create a fair technological environment. I came to Europe wanting to expand my personal growth. I knew the sky was the limit. And I started experimenting with everything. My creative urge pushed me to explore design and technology. Thus, I took Info 200 and Info 360. These classes literally changed my life forever. I learned to emphasize users while building solutions to real life problems and witnessed how each product's design satisfied its users. After a deep conversation with my TA, I discovered an array of resources and opportunities available to an iSchool student. Learning about Jacob Wardrog's great research and his findings helped me understand the limitation of available resources. I used my skills and knowledge that I gained from these classes to make the designs of my elderly healthcare app and more user-oriented and interactive by adding an elegant GUI. Following this newfound passion, for design, I interned at an NGO called Sarva, which works for women empowerment. I realized that the website's UX design was not as accommodating for women from Indian rural areas who were technologically illiterate. With the skills I developed for my classes, I worked on redesigning the app by adding more significance and mapping. The outcome was a change of traditional text-heavy website to a more user-friendly one. Soon the website's traffic grew by more than 41% and we saw an increase in number of women reaching out to us. This experience has led me a few steps closer to creating a better user interface. To gain more hands-on experience, I joined a fast-growing startup called Blowup and took the position of a product manager. I focused on developing the UI for the app and I followed the process of finding a core problem, surveying the stakeholders, and then creating prototypes. Keeping the user's accessibility in mind, I was surprised to see how small design changes could bring in such a huge impact and understood the importance of inclusive design. If classes, internships, and personal projects alone can help me expand my horizon and contribute to society, I know the informatics major as a whole along with its community, will provide me with endless opportunities to succeed. With the skills and experience I've gained in the past year, as evident with my high grades, I know I'm a good fit for informatics department, and after graduation, I want to build a startup that serves accessibility-focused design platforms to other companies to achieve my goal of equal technological receptiveness. Henceforth, I feel a degree in informatics would be a right step in the journey of learning more about data, design, creation, and management. And there we have a big round of applause for Sneha, wherever you are right now. And now we'll be taking a look at Serena's application essay. Serena's a direct admit, so she didn't have to write an informatics-specific essay, but just the general UW application essay. Still important to note that this got her in. 
Yeah, so I have two essays because I applied as a freshman, obviously. So I had my personal statement and then I have my diversity essay. Some background on my personal statement. I switched schools. I switched cities junior year. And so I came into a room and one of the walls was painted teal. That's what my essay is about. My essay is about my wall. Actually, the way that I came up with it, I was on FaceTime with my friend and I was like super stressed. And I was like, what am I going to write my personal statement about? I have no idea. I think it was about a week before the application was due. I'm so sorry, Blaine and Dewell. Like, <laughs> you know, that last minute writing, but sometimes it hits different. Anyway, I was FaceTiming her and I was like, I have no idea what to write about. Like, there's nothing interesting in my life. She was like, you can literally write about anything. And I was like, what am I supposed to write about? My wall? And she was like, yeah. And so I did. I just I just started writing about it and then it actually worked out. But um, disclaimer, I know it's cringe. So if you know me personally, just pretend you didn't hear anything. Yeah, okay. Teal. This nauseating dull pigment covered one wall in my new bedroom. As I moved in my belongings, I could not help but look away from the repulsive paint. To me, it is the color of anxiety because every day I was forced to observe that horrid color was a day closer to being a new student starting junior year. As I wandered the narrow halls of my new school, a creeping sense of isolation began to overwhelm me. At first I was excited to meet new people, but everyone was already situated in their own circles and I did not want to disrupt a hierarchy I barely understood. For months, I ate lunch alone in my car, listening to the Rolling Stones. They screamed over and over, paint it black, so I did. The next day, I bought black spray paint cans and began covering my uninspiring bedroom wall. No longer would it burden my thoughts. I shut out my eagerness to meet others and became enveloped in nihilism. The dark tones of my new wall snuffed out light, breeding cynicism. Sitting in class, working on an assignment one day, a shadow dimmed my paper. I looked up to see one of my peers with a big smile on his face. He asked for my name and how I was adjusting to the school. Black to white, like a light switch. His unexpected kindness made me feel something I hadn't in months. Welcome. His sincerity made me feel safe to act the same. So I told him that although everyone seemed kind, I had not actually met many people. In shock, he took me over to a group of his friends who embraced me with great hospitality. They all saw it as their obligation to guide me around the school and introduce me to other students. When I went home that day, my black wall suddenly felt like a draining force, like a void pulling me into oblivion. I started painting my wall white, but no matter how many layers I sprayed on it, nothing could cover the black coating underneath. It was then that I realized my efforts to cover up the past each time I made a major perception switch was foolish. Now the layers of paint I tried so hard to cover no longer make me cringe since I am proud of who I am today. By painting over my past, I obscured my narrative, not just from others, but also from myself. I was too quick to try and forget the first few months of school. I neglected how much they taught me about myself and the importance of adapting to the environment in which we find ourselves, even when it is teal. Now every wall in my room is covered with stories, art, ideas, and anything that inspires me. I used to think I was protecting myself, when in reality I was limiting my potential. 
My efforts to assimilate into my new school were only successful when I began embracing my community instead of detaching myself from it. When I originally tagged that horrible teal wall, I was taking responsibility for my view, and that ultimately led me to love my wall. I know that this is not the last wall I will encounter, but I am no longer anxious to see the color teal. Okay, so for my diversity essay, so actually, I think in conversations. So I don't think to myself, every thought that I have, I'm conversing with someone else in my head. It doesn't matter, like any person that I meet, it could be a Barack Obama, it could be an alien, but I'm always conversing with someone. And I might be giving an interview, I'm, it might be a podcast, I might be in a cafe, but anyway, that's how I think. And so I was kind of stressed during this time. A quick little note just for context here, we were recording this at the same time we were recording the interview for the other podcast episode that was released today. Serena gets more into detail about her circumstances around the time of writing her essay in that other episode, but for short, she has family living in a part of Armenia, specifically the Artsakh region, disputed between Armenia and Azerbaijan. This region at that time was a war zone, and that part of her family ended up becoming refugees. Now back to Serena. And I was like, you know, thinking about all of that, and I was having, I think I was giving a speech in my head. I decided I would just write it down, and so I wrote down this entire speech, I just wrote it by hand and I like got my feelings out and I felt better. And then at the time I was going to peaceful protests for that cause. And my dad told me, he was like, hey, by the way, tomorrow you're going to give a speech at the protest. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, some other girl bailed. And so you're up. And I was like, yo, give me like a week's notice. But then I realized that since I'm speaking from the heart, there isn't really much to fabricate. I just kind of took my writing, I edited it into a speech. And then when I saw my diversity essay prompt, I took my speech and then I edited that into my diversity essay. So here it is. I am the descendant of Armenians who survived a genocide in Turkey and pogroms in Azerbaijan. One night a few years ago, my great grandmother chillingly began reciting the stories of her parents who escaped persecution at the hands of Turks. She died this year, may she rest in peace. But lately I've been wondering, how could my ancestors rest in peace when the atrocities they experienced are reoccurring against their grandchildren? The survivors of the Armenian genocide in my bloodline are now dead, but their stories are still alive. The same Turks and Azerbaijanis who oppressed and massacred my people for years are now combining forces to finish what they began in Artsakh, where my cousins live. The cycle is repeating in the face of the world's silence. This month, as my homeland is once again mercilessly shelled and bombed, I experience the grief that follows apathy firsthand. Many of the non-Armenians I consider family have hesitated to show Armenian support, even though they consider themselves, quote unquote, activists. At first I felt betrayed. Those I loved were indifferent to the injustices threatening my extended family's right to exist in peace. But soon I realized that even I was guilty of such ignorance. I cannot claim to be a proponent of justice and only educate myself on my ancestors' struggle or local affairs. I need to take advantage of the privilege I have as my resources to spread awareness and foment change are plentiful. 
The night my grandmother died, I made a vow to never forget our story and do my best to promote peace for Armenians, a privilege my ancestors were denied. I now understand that I must not only advocate for Armenians, but also for all those suffering oppression, because neglecting injustice enables it. And there we have it. I hope you guys get to see, even with just two essays, the wide range of things that people write about. And even if they're totally different, those essays both come straight from the heart. We don't just have application essays on this podcast. We also dive into really cool intersections of informatics that I think you'd also be interested in. Stay tuned for more, and I hope you all have a great rest of the day, wherever you are. Bye!